Hello, everybody. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. Welcome back. We're back. This is episode two of the Below Average Joe's podcast, the first of what we're for now just calling our kind of special videos, videos that aren't really relating to kind of the current events of MMA world. Um, we're not recapping or previewing an upcoming card. We're not talking about any news. These are just topics that are going to give you a better idea of who, like, what we think as fight fans. And for those of you that are new to the sport or casual fans looking to learn more, or even if you're a diehard fan just trying to compare opinions, you're going to get an idea of like what we, when we're looking at the history of the sport, detailing a lot of like our knowledge and giving our opinions on different things. And today that's going to start with our top 10 for UFC fighters of all time. This is big. It's the GOAT talk. Now listen, now here's the thing. (laughs) This is all opinion based, right? Mm -hmm. So... We haven't even shared our lists with each other, we so we're going to piss each other off probably a little <laughs> bit. Uh, people listening, if you don't agree, you know, list your top ten in the comments. Yeah. Like, let us know. We want to know what everybody thinks, uh, and these are always subject to change. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, and I know Noah's going to touch on this, but this Saturday, there's a potential huge fight for GOAT ranking. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. So, this is, you know, as of right now, how we feel. Always subject to change, always opinion-based, but it's going to be a good one. I guess before we get into this, just how are you doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. You know, just kind of living life, enjoying it. I'm telling you, man, I'm excited. I don't know if everybody listening has gotten a hold of our first episode, Mm -hmm. but stop right here if you haven't. Go check that one out first, then come back to this one. Yeah, we had a lot of fun uh, recording that one. It was, it was great. Obviously, it was uh, new. It's the first episode, the pilot episode. But being able to kind of recap that uh, last Saturday's fight card, uh, talking about some of the news going on in the world right now, and then kind of giving them plugs. Like, we're slowly creeping towards that preview episode for Friday oh, man. that we're so excited about. Oof, so can't wait. It, it's a very exciting time for us right now, starting this new thing, and I, we really appreciate the support. From we hope you guys are enjoying it. We hope you enjoyed episode one, and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Mm-hmm. I, I think agree. this is going to be fun. I agree. So I guess without further ado, we're going to I mean, are we getting it. into it? Well, I do want to start by making it clear that these are rankings based on fighters' UFC performance. Yes, UFC only. And the reason we're doing that is because that's really the only promotion that we feel comfortable enough to do these rankings based off of. Now, I will preface, just because I have a couple fighters on my list that have performed in others, but also dominated in the UFC, mm-hmm. I'll briefly mention sure. successes in previous that's fair. But we're focusing solely on That's fair. UFC. Like, we're not taking people that fall only in pride and right. never anywhere else. Fedor will not be on this list. Right, exactly. And, even and he's like, great. And even I was thinking of guys that were dominant in pride, because really that was the other organization that I really thought of when it came to GOAT rankings. Yep. Fedor would probably be in, like, a top ten MMA fighters of all time. Uh, you know, you had guys like Vanderlei Silva, who, were, who was dominant in pride. Comes to the UFC and doesn't quite have that level of success. Right. Mirko Krokop, another one. Um, Instead, Shogun, he got Krokopped. Shogun, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Shogun Hua, I mean, a guy who's still fighting in the UFC today. Right. But these are guys that, um, while great fighters and did have success in the UFC, especially Shogun, light heavyweight champion at one point, um, 
I just don't feel like it was fair to like, you know, uh, we we haven't delved that deep into other organizations. Yeah, so I think it's only fair or as to, deep. So I think it's only fair that we look at UFC only as it pertains to this list. I think we'll do a good job of staying as unbiased as po- uh, as possible. Mm-hmm. In episode one, we mentioned our. You know, our feelings toward the Ohio boys. Yes. Specifically Stipe and Cody, but I think we're going to be unbiased as possible in this list. Yeah, I agree. I and I, 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 a lot of there's a lot of factors in play when you're making a list like this. It's hard. It is hard. Because people are going to be left out. And I, I was, um, I, before we filmed or before we started recording this, um, and we had talked about it for the last few days, I was considering like talking to Dom, like, okay. We need to make the list inside these parameters. Like, we need to agree, like, uh, is it just about when they were on top, or is it about their longevity? Uh, Are we taking out PED users, things like that? And then I went, no, I think it'd be more fun if we just had no, like, no no caveats. Just dive in. Yeah, so it's, like, just based on what we think. We have not talked to each other about our list really much at all. So I'm I'm very curious to see what you do. And again, if you guys disagree with us or do agree with us, feel free to comment. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to see other people. I, I would really lips. like to, too. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, feel free to call us assholes or, or idiots. Well, hopefully not. Or idiots because we don't know. Cause, you know we, we left your favorite fighter out. But um, Yeah, prefacing, like, you know, nothing personal against any fighters. We're just ba- literally going off who we think's the best. Don't matter what's happened, personal life or whatever. I'm already... Assuming that's hinting towards somebody <laughs> on the list. So, uh, more, okay, so I guess we'll just go ahead and dive in here. Let's do it. Normally, I would give you the floor, but... You're going to take it? I, I think I'm going to take it. All right. Uh, so, the way we're going to do this, we're going to go one by one. Yep. Um, we'll each give our top ten, talk about it, then go from there. Um, from nine, eight, seven, and, and so forth till we get to number one. Um, Ooh. The reason I'm taking the floor is because I'm kind of cheating with my number ten spot. He's cheating. Yeah, Call him I'm out. Cheating. I'm cheating. I am. And there, we. I was gonna list out a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? The, like my honorable mentions. Yeah. But too many. I to found count. that there was too many. Too many. So for my number ten spot, it's in my opinion going to be the winner of next Saturday's fight. Oh. Next Saturday. So and, excited. And for now, um, because I'm, in order to still put a name in that spot, I'm gonna say Daniel Cormier for now. Not because I think he's going to win on Saturday, but because of his um, the amount of work he's done in multiple divisions. You know, he's been a light heavyweight champion, heavyweight champion, and he, outside of John Jones at light heavyweight and then the loss to Stipe, he's basically dominated both. I know he came back to heavyweight late in his career, but early on in his UFC tenure, he was dominating heavyweights. People forget that. But in light heavyweights, where he obviously did the bulk of his work, um, beating guys like Alexander Gustafson, um, you know John Jones, you know is just on another level, and that's unfortunate for his case because I think if John Jones didn't exist, Daniel Cormier might be undefeated. In, in our well, top. I mean Steve A. beating, but he might be in our top four, or three guys. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's unfortunate that 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 guy just seems to have that edge over him, but nothing to be ashamed of. I mean he. He's really been... I mean, Anthony Rumble Johnson, he beat twice. Finished them both times. That dude is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, survived an onslaught. Yeah. So, uh, like... Got knocked down. Yeah, Literally so, got knocked 
across the cage. Yeah, that's how powerful that man is. And then obviously at heavyweight, he he beats Stipe. Stipe, the longest reigning heavyweight champ. And good wins in strike yeah. force. Yeah. And his Again, shoot. we don't want to go yeah. too much into it, but, you know, he beat Josh Barnett. And yeah. He's beaten uh, – he had another he big Dan name. Henderson Dan well. Henderson. I don't know if that was – I think that was in the UFC, though. But, yeah, I mean, then he beats Stipe. He's beaten Frank Muir, Roy Nelson. Mm-hmm. Not that those are huge names, but Frank Muir's another pioneer kind of the yeah. heavyweight division. Yeah. And then he defends that heavyweight title against Derek Lewis, um, another dangerous guy. We were just talking about him in our pilot episode. Um, ends up losing the belt back to Stipe, but a fight that he was winning up until the up until he lost. But, <laughs> right. um, yeah, and it, I I just I, he's he just got a very impressive resume. I don't see why he can't be on this list um, for Stipe though. Um, again, I just said it: longest reigning heavyweight champ or the most title defenses, I should say. Yep. Um, some, in my opinion, if he wins on Saturday, he's the heavyweight goat. If Cormier wins, he's the heavyweight goat. Yeah. That's the way I look That's at what it. it's for. Yeah. So, with that being said, like, Stipe, with that, just having that, the most consecutive title defenses, you know, the UFC heavyweight division, surprisingly, it's, for, really, it's, the, yeah. it's the first division the UFC established back with Mark Coleman. <laughs> As the inaugural champion back in, I believe, 1998. I mean, we were, we were walking around in the octagon with shoes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, so it's surprising that it's been the longest division, yet the most title defenses the division had seen before Stipe was two. Two or three. Because the record's three, right? Yeah, the record. So it was two title defenses. The record is three. So, yeah, two before that. And, you know, guys like Cain Velasquez, if he didn't have the injury problems he had, he probably would have been dominating for longer. But that's still a factor in play. Steve Bates looked really good, man, uh, especially on that title run he had, mm-hmm. being able to take the belt from Fabricio and the way he did. Walking backwards. Up, yeah, <laughs> in Brazil, mind you. Then goes I mean, to it was Cle- just a knockout spree right. that he went on. Then he goes to Cleveland, as we talked about in the pilot episode. That was our show we were at. Uh, gets dropped by Overeem, a dangerous striker, kickboxer. And Stipe comes back and finishes him decisively. Then he starches Junior Dos Santos, mm-hmm. the guy who he had lost to early on in his career when JDS was at his peak. Then a killer, Francis Ngannou, who Dominated. People were calling him MMA's Mike Tyson, yeah. which I'm not going to pretend like that still is not a potential. <laughs> because he's looking more dangerous now than he but ever Stipe has. But Stipe had the most beautiful game plan against him. It was perfect. He, yeah. he survived the first round, and then from there, buddy. Yeah, it was no Dominated. Contest. Yeah, not even close. And then obviously, the disappointing knockout to Cormier, but comes back in that second fight and makes the most beautiful uh, mid-fight adjustment I've ever seen. Don't get me started. Yeah. It'll be talked about in the preview episode. Yeah. But golly jeepers, I tell you. <laughs> I've never, I have never seen a mid-fight adjustment like that, ever. I'm going to have to get L's in the chat for golly L's jeepers. L's in the comments. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go with your number 10 then. But that's fine. Okay, so I will say, if Stipe wins Saturday, he takes my number 10. I already have DC on my list. Okay. But if Stipe wins, he he takes my number 10. But as of right now, my number 10, even after, you know, his most recent performances, I've got Max Blessed Holloway. 
Nice. As number 10. Um, you know, the featherweight champion, he had three title defenses. Um, it was, he had the longest win streak in featherweight history, 14 in a row. That's, that's unprecedented, man. That's a lot of wins in a row. Don't forget, by the way, that he TKO'd the featherweight GOAT twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. Two times in a row. Not once. Twice. Not once. Twice. Um, I've got Max Bus Holloway, man. I know recently he has been on a little bit of a skid, but if you look at the losses he has, it's incredible. Like, Conor McGregor. That was back. I mean, and way all, back, yeah. Now, way back. Now, I'm not saying if they rematch now that, I, I mean, Conor could very well win that yeah, right now. Yeah, right. But that was, I mean, that was 2014. That was his last loss before the win streak, if I'm not before mistaken. Before Poirier, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Conor yeah. McGregor. He's lost to Dustin Poirier twice. I, I think as of recently, everybody knows how great of a fighter Dustin Poirier is. And the first loss was when Max was 20 years old. Yeah. Just you got to think, this kid, he's only 28 years old right now, and he's already got so many records and accolades, man. Like, he's Dude, not even 30. I know, it's crazy. He, he's got another decade. Like, potentially, barring any injuries, yeah. he could bump up in 155. Uh, granted, I think he has to redo his whole physique to do that. But, uh, again, Conor McGregor, two losses to Dustin Poirier. And, uh, what, two losses to Volkanovski. Yeah. I mean, he's he is losing to top-tier competition. The second loss he had to Poirier was in an interim title fight for the 155-pound belt. And he won two of those rounds. I mean, it's not like he's getting slaughtered by these guys. No. And the loss he just had recently to Volkanovski, many argue, including us two, we mentioned it on the first episode, he won. He won 3-2. to two. They just didn't give it to him. Uh, so, I mean, Max, for me, I think he's number 10 because there's still so much potential. He is 28 years old with so many great achievement, achievements. I, I think he has a chance to win the title back. I think he has a chance to go to 155 if he changes his body and win a title there. He's he's young, man. That's my number 10. Max Blessed. Uh, so I completely agree with you so much that I have him at my number 9. Wow, look at yeah, this. Yeah. We literally, I mean, I'm giving away something, but we flip-flop. Okay. My number 9 is DC. But oh, go ahead okay, with your okay. breakdown. Yeah, so I mean, pretty much everything you said there. Holloway, uh, he had some uh, growing pains in the beginning of his UFC tenure. Started at 20 years old. 20? I mean, that's that's incredible. And With, like, minimal experience. Lost to Poirier, a guy who was also young back then, but a guy yeah. who was much more uh, established. Yeah. Like... He had came from another organization. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he loses to Connor, and, you know... Who was Con- taking the world by storm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was not Pete Connor, but that was Connor on his rise. Oh, yeah. Right, right around that time, and I mean... After that, like you said, he doesn't lose again until the Poirier fight. 14 fights. When you look at some of these wins, he's beating guys like Andre Feely, a guy who's hung around the top 10 for years. He's beat Cub Swanson, a guy I'm a a big fan of, who always comes to fight. Always game. Charles Oliveira. Beast. Most submissions in the UFC? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And Charles Oliveira, a guy who is at at lightweight. And ranked. And he's, he's looking like a potential title challenge. Yeah. 
Then Jeremy Stevens, oh, another legend. I mean, do we need to even say more? Uh, Ricardo Lamas, a great fight at the first card I ever watched. Don't forget the. That's the one. Yeah, let's bang he right now to the middle of the octagon, and they just start swinging. A fight that he was handedly winning, and, and he, he said, "You know, fuck it." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's do this. Let's bang. Then, interim featherweight bout against Anthony Pettis, a dangerous guy, former champ. Yeah, and he pretty much beats he him handed. pretty pretty handedly. And then you have the back-to-back wins over what at the time was we thought the featherweight goat. Yeah, Jose Aldo. That was the passing of the torch. It was. And then the the highlight real performance of his career, in my opinion, is Brian Ortega. Unbelievable. And I really I still believe in Brian Ortega, but at that yeah. time I thought Ortega was gonna win that fight. I really did. Yeah, I was very I remember being very nervous. Uh, I'm a huge Max fan and I was nervous, man. Ortega was undefeated. Yeah. Beaten everybody, six in a row in the UFC, mm-hmm. I think. Submissions, got decent striking. He's dangerous. Still and I, dangerous. And I can tell you that win is what convinced me that he's like in that Goat top status. of the top. Yeah. You know, the Jose wins, don't get me wring super impressive. The 14-fight win, win streak, yeah. obviously impressive. But that fight is what sold it to me that this guy is on another level. He is he is at the cream of the, cr- the, cream of the crop. <laughs> excuse me. And then after that, you know, you have the loss to Poirier and... He, I mean, he decisively lost that fight, I'll say. Like, I thought it was, like, clear-cut decision for Poirier. But, do not get me wrong. But one, two rounds. He, uh, I think it was a clear-cut 3-2. I, you think 4-1? I think I had 4-1. Okay. But, again, it's just like the first Volkanovski fight, which was also a 4-1 for Volk. Yeah. But yet, I don't, like, it never felt like Holloway was out of the fight. Yeah. Like, you felt like he... Like, he hurt Dustin, yeah. you know? Like, that was incredible fun. And you could tell, like, for as big as Holloway looks at 145, he looked a lot smaller. Yeah, Dustin looked much bigger. And he was still hanging in there, man. And Poirier was hitting him with some shots. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he can transform his physique somehow, I know, obviously he's not going to get taller, but, like, if he can, I don't know, he's a little skinny, maybe just a little more muscle, I think he he's tall enough to compete. I think it's just a matter of strength. He can compete at 155. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of where his career goes. 155 is such a dangerous division, though. Um, and would he like would jump to, right in with the top five. That would be his I'd first have, fight. I'd like to see him stick around at 145, uh, especially for now. And I don't see him moving anytime soon. Again, 28 years old, people. Yeah. This is crazy. He's got a long career ahead of him. It's Lots of fighters don't even hit their prime till they're 30 yeah. plus. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, I mean, even between the losses that we just talked about, he had a win over Frankie Edgar, another legend of the sport. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Sure, Frankie Edgar is kind of on the downswing of his career. But he's fought in the who's who. But he has fought in everybody. In three divisions. And Holloway just handled him for five rounds. Yep. So uh, that's pretty much my case for putting him at number nine. I know you right now we're agreeing with each other a lot. Yeah. Uh, We're basically flip-flopping. Do you want to get into Cormier at all? I mean, really, you hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I've got DC at number nine. You know, he's a two-time champ at 205. He's a heavyweight champ. You know, he's. Def- I think a big thing for me, he's defended both belts. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these double champs, you know, Connor never defended either belt. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry uh, won the bantamweight and then defended, so he defended twice. He's the only other double champ to defend both. Yeah, I think. but I, I, he... Um... 
I'm pretty sure he was stripped of the flyweight title. Oh, I guess he technically like, was. I don't think he held both when he won right. the bantamweight belt. Yeah, he, just, what, he defended is, the bantamweight after he got stripped. Which is the distinction there, because True. Cormier dropped his belt pretty So much. then DC is the only one besides Amanda Nunes, yes. which I will get into later. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And um, one thing that wasn't mentioned, again, it's not completely related to the UFC, but this man was an Olympic wrestler. And he just has accolades for days. And you look at it, he's got two losses in his career because one's a no contest to John. So he's lost to John Jones. And he's lost to Stipe Miocic. That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, what else do I even need to say? Yeah. What what I didn't say, you covered. And I think that solely solidifies him as a top ten of all. Agreed. So who's your number eight? My number eight? Kind of just mentioned her. The Lioness. Really? Amanda Nunes, my eighth pound-for-pound best fighter of all time. See, I'm a little upset. You think she should be... I think she should be a lot higher. Okay. I agree. Oh, you agree? No, no, no. I see see what you're saying. No, apparently you don't agree because... I see what you're saying. Listen, listen, listen. We're talking about another person that's still fighting. Granted, she's... I mean, that's part of my thing here. She's wiped out two divisions. There's no one left. There's no one left for her to beat. She is a two-division champion... Defended the belt at 135 and 145. I think at the time, uh, I initially made this, she had four title defenses. That was before her last one. I think she's at five total title defenses now. She has wiped out every body in both divisions. She has beaten every women's champion in both divisions. Handily. Finished Misha Tate. First round, if I'm not mistaken. Battered her. Ronda Rousey. Whew. We don't even need to go into that one. <laughs> that was incredible. That was incredible. just unbelievable. Um, hello, Chris Cyborg. Um, undefeated for 10 years? Eh, go night-night in the first round. <laughs> Listen, Amanda Nunes, go, greatest women fighter ever. It's not even close. It's not close. She knocked out Holly Holm with a head kick. By the way, if anybody's listening, Holly Holm knocked out Ronda with a head kick. So it's not supposed to work that way. Yeah. Amanda said, hold my beer. <laughs> she knocked out Holly Holm with a head kick, man. Yes. And then um, she's beaten Jermaine Duran, I mean. Or wait, yeah, that's, that was yeah, her last yeah, title defense. Yeah. Um, she showed off how skilled she is on the ground. Yeah. People sleep on that because of how good she is striking. Uh, she's unbelievable, man. She's 20-4 and four now, I believe, 19-4, 20-4. There's no one stopping her in either division. Um, she could retire now if she wanted to. She's going to be a mom next month, I think, is when the baby's due. So... I know Dana wants her to stick around, but my God, she has nothing left to prove. But I, for my as a fan, I want her to keep fighting. I do want to give a correction real quick. She is twenty and four, so you got that twenty way. and four. Uh, but her last title defense actually was against Felicia Spencer. Yeah, one forty-five. So she was. It was uh, two fifty. No, like at one hundred forty-five oh, pounds. Yeah. Come on, Noah. That one forty-five. <laughs> that was years ago. Yeah. So she uh, defended against Jermaine, and then. Felicia at 145. Mm-hmm. And another dominant performance. Yeah. Shout out Felicia Spencer, by the way. Tough as nails. Yeah, those fights, her going up against Cyborg yeah. and Nunez back to back. Those are. But uh, tough. Nunez, man, like, arguably could be much higher. Um, but again, someone that's still in their prime and I think could fight more could easily move up. But right now, I've got her number eight. Okay. Uh, you know, once you explained it, it you know. Fully support having her in the top ten, obviously. 
obviously. Yeah. And I probably pretty much spoiled that I will have her higher. <laughs> right. But uh, I think what I'm going to be curious is who you have over her when we get into that later. I think uh, yeah, you'll I'm be not, surprised. I'm, I'm not mad that she's on the list. And the way you talked about her, I mean, that's pretty much all I'm going to be able to say. I mean, what else can I mean? She leaves the, She speechless. is the female go. It's not close. Yeah. So my number eight. Let's hear it. Um, I struggled with this one a bit. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. These middle ones, man. I'm telling um, you, like five to five to eight. It was weird because putting people like Cormier and Holloway at nine and ten was almost like easy. Putting guys that I had above number eight was somewhat easy but yet like around this range like the seven to eight range is where i really was struggling and that's weird because (laughs) you know if i'm so for sure that the two guys behind them should be on there why am i putting this guy in front of them and that was kind of what i had to convince myself of like okay why am i putting him here and that is the current lightweight champion habib Nurmagomedov. Alright. So. He is also on my list. Let me tell you why I struggled with this one. Let's hear it. And it's going to come down to... This is number eight, correct? Yes. Number eight. It's going to come down to the level of competition. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. So, not saying he has not fought good fighters. I mean, a lot of newer viewers of the UFC will not know, but, I mean, Glayson Tebow back in 2012 was was a good guy. Uh, Abel Trevillo, that's a guy that Tony Ferguson had also had a lot of trouble with. Uh, Pat Healy, another guy that was coming up strong before he uh, had to, uh, I believe, retire. Uh, then he beats RDA. Kind of a big deal. Champ, back in 2014. A loss that I think, uh, if I interrupt, it's a win, I should say, for Habib that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, especially because I'm pretty sure that... RDA uh, became the champ. RDA after became that. the champ after that because Habib's had a... People don't realize it now, but Habib used to have a lot of injury problems back. He probably would have been champion a lot sooner if it had not been. And weight cutting. He took nearly two years off. Contemplated retirement, mind you. Yeah, man, that's crazy to think about that. Then you get up to where he beat Michael Johnson at 205, and he had that infamous post-fight speech talking about... I want your chicken. Yeah, he's like, Russia, 150 million, Irish only... Five million and that's when I became terrified of Habib. Yeah, he, that's when I knew this guy yeah. can beat anybody. And then, probably in my opinion, his best performance—the uh, fight against Edson Barboza. Oof. Oh, poor, poor uh, Barboza. You know, can we just pour one out? Barboza, great striker, and Habib, you know, a dominant wrestler. This Ragdoll. was a big test for him. Ragdoll. Going Barboza. from Michael Johnson and even RDA. And I, I will say. He looked a little vulnerable at times against Michael, briefly on the feet, but mm-hmm. of course once on the yeah, ground. Yeah, I, I not agree. Close. But Michael, I think, wobbled him just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Just one of those wild haymakers that yeah. Johnson throws. And but uh, yeah, granted a big step up. And then with Barboza, though, he just completely oh, shut him down. It was brutal. I remember being going into that fight. I don't remember if I picked Barboza, but I remember thinking, like, if Habib is going to lose anytime soon, this is the guy that's going to beat him. Yeah. And he basically just made him look... He literally made him look like he... A league of his own. He made him look like CM Punk, basically. Yeah, like, it was bad. Like, it was rough. And I felt, you know, you almost feel bad watching it. Cause uh, that was the worst I've ever felt for a fighter watching a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanted it to be over. So, I guess after that's kind of where the, I guess, 
me trying to figure out his placement comes in. Because, sure, those are some solid wins on there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Edson Barboza win is nothing to scoff at. But winning the title against Ally Aquina, you know, obviously a guy that is not actually a title challenger, especially at the time. But Two days notice. Yeah, I mean, it's... And then what was have, a crazy week, man? Like yeah, it, it was supposed to fight Tony, then it was supposed to be Max, and then Al and Khabib. And then, it was just and then game. you also have McGregor doing it with the buzz. Yeah, and, man. Um, it was just a craziest weird, week in UFC. Week. So he kind of wins the championship under a cloud of like uh, just a lot controversy. of controversy. Yeah, controversy. Like him winning the belt wasn't even the biggest story to come out of that. Yeah. And then his first defense against Conor McGregor, <sighs> which, mind you. For all the grief he gets, and you know, we we in our conversations, we've surely given him our fair share of shit. You know, a guy who you could, I could see someone making an argument for him to be in the top. Connor, three. yeah, hundred percent. You know, just for what he's done for the sport, because that is a factor. Yeah, and he's still, you know, uh, he's had you know the losses in his career have been against top notch competition. Yeah, so. so that that win was very impressive, and I, know, I mean he dominated. Yeah, and I and I know Connor has now kind of said like that he was. I forget what all he said. He basically said that he was unmotivated, mm-hmm. uh, like drinking through his camp and all that stuff. It like, got like, very personal and uncomfortable. But even after I'm not even yeah, like the lead up was yeah, very bad. But yeah. even after the fight, now when Connor's trying to get that rematch, he kept saying he was like hungover during the fight, like all this stuff. Um, I don't know how much I. It. I mean, I, I can definitely see maybe him not being super motivated for it, but I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. We um, know the beat was yeah. motivated. And then you have the Dustin Poirier win, another very impressive showing. And I really like Dustin Poirier just doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. And what's funny is Dustin nearly won that fight. Yeah, he pulled had guard, him going backwards. Had, if he had pulled guard on that uh, guillotine, right? He was in. It was in yeah. deep. But besides that moment, dominant performance. it was a dominant performance. And I guess with my placement, like, he, we need, like, he's got a big fight coming up with Gaethje. And then after that, if he goes and fights GSP or fights Connor again I mean, or whatever, whatever he, he does, if he fights Tony, which is what we all want to see. But ultimately, like, I feel like he can only, like, his placement to me is the one I'm most unsure of. Mm-hmm. If he loses to Gaethje and then goes on to lose to, like, GSP, that's enough to make him go out of my top ten. If he beats both, it's enough if to he beats boost both, him real to, high. to boost him nearly to the very top. Yeah. So he's the one I'm the most unsure of. Um, but also, I guess, outside of the who he's fought, I've never seen someone wrestle the guy that was this way that he wrestles. Like, he is incredible to watch when he gets people on the ground. He is literally like a bear. He he holds he gets a hold of you and he will it's, not let it's go. It's crazy. And I I'm you know, people will sit there, you know, a lot of people give grief to wrestlers. I talked about this in our pilot. But and I, I understand why it's not the most aesthetically pleasing to watch. It can get a little boring to watch. But it is a style of fighting. And you know, he does it on a whole different level. Yeah, and the ground and pound that he puts on people, like you just watch that Connor fight, and you know, for all the all the respect to Connor, not trying to talk down on him. No, he looked Brutal. defeated. Yeah, man, that's what he does that, to people. That's yeah. what Habib does to people. Even Dustin at the end of their fight, defeated. He's, I mean, Dustin's like, I couldn't get him off of me. Yeah, I couldn't move. Yeah, 
It's like getting suffocated. So that's pretty much and all I'm going to say about Habib. I know you just said that you will get into him later. But, uh, Next is number seven, right? Yeah, so I guess I'll do my number seven, and I, I, At, I well, let me let me segue and do my seven. Okay, go ahead. My number seven is Habib. Oh, it is. My number seven <laughs> is Habib. Nice. Again, there's nothing more to say. He's um, one thing that we didn't say. He is, in my opinion, and many others, the most dominant champion slash fighter we've probably ever seen. He has lost listen at this. I'm gonna <clears throat> everybody listen. On official scorecards, Habib has lost one round in the UFC. Think about it. One round. That's incredible. It's crazy, man. Um Noah touched on everything else. He's twenty eight now. Right. Never lost Never been close to losing. I haven't seen all of his fights, obviously, before the UFC, but I've seen a damn video of him wrestling a bear as a kid, and that's enough for me to have him, anyone on my top ten. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, Habib's my number seven. Again, not a, not a ton to say because Noah covered most of it, but he's the most dominant champion, fighter in UFC history. Um, he's unbelievable. That's my number seven. I figured awesome. it'd be better to segue it that way. Yeah, no, that's good, good. So uh, for my number seven... Um, I'm curious what you're going to think about this one. All right. My number seven is... You're the, really struggling to say this. The Iceman, Chuck Liddell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So... I love me some Iceman. So, um, with Chuck Liddell, you know, he was what the UFC needed at that time. Yes. It's kind of like... My argument for Chuck is almost what I could see someone's argument for Connor being. Yeah. Like the star power, the amount of fans they brought, things like that. What the company needed at right. that specific time. But with Chuck, like during that time, this is around the Ultimate Fighter season one time, the UFC on the brink of going out of business. Yeah, I mean, UFC's still really struggling in the and, early 2000s. His rivalry with Tito Ortiz was literally the thing keeping it afloat. It's basically. the greatest rivalry, in my opinion, in UFC history. That could probably be another video. Yeah. Or another podcast, rather. Yeah. Down the road. But yeah, Yeah. to me, that's... And uh, him getting the better of both meetings with Tito Ortiz definitely puts him above Tito. But, you know, he was light heavyweight champion, defended the belt, I believe, uh, it was four times. That's probably up there in in total. So mind you, he lost to Randy Couture. Right. Another legend. Then uh, UFC makes a deal with Pride. So he goes over to Pride and lose. Well, he beats over him in Pride, which kind is of a big deal at that time. In 2003, yeah, we're talking. And then like, he ends up losing to Rampage in Pride. Comes back, beats Tito, Vernon White in a first round knockout. I know a lot of people don't know Vernon White, but first round knockout. Then he beats Randy Couture for the light heavyweight uh, championship, avenges that loss. Then. Defends it against Jeremy Horn, a guy who beat him he was early, a beast. early on in his career. A guy who has over, I believe, 100 professional fights. Yeah, it's something crazy. Uh, then he defends it again against Randy Couture, caps off that trilogy. Then he defends against Babalu Sabra, a guy that a lot of people nowadays won't remember, but he was a he was at one time up there. You know, when That's what it's all about. Like, at the time, who was dominant? And, and then, he fought every one of them. His probably crowning achievement, beating Tito that second time, 
at the time, I believe, was the biggest pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. UFC 66 back in 2006. Ladies Um, and gentlemen, by the way, if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 about Tito and Chuck's rivalry, I mean, if that doesn't say enough about it, there's a 30 for 30 on it. I mean, it's great. It's incredible. It put the UFC on the map. Unfortunately, you know, I do need to include, like, kind of his the later years. Downfall. Yeah, so he ends up losing the belt to Rampage Jackson. Um, after that, loses to the Dean of Mean. Also, let us know in the comments, <laughs> is that the greatest nickname in UFC history? The Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. Let that flow. The Dean of Mean, mm-hmm. Keith Jardine. He shouldn't uh, have lost to Keith Jardine. Let's. I'm just gonna be frank. Great nickname, but not a great fighter. That guy gets hit with a pillow and he's <laughs> out. So loses in a split decision to Keith Jardine. Not a great performance for him, but comes back and beats Vanderlei Silva in probably one of the, the top ten best UFC fights yeah, of all time. In a fight that was long overdue and people had wanted that fight for years. It was a fight of the year for 2007. Yeah, well, it's, there probably wasn't even a close second. <laughs> no. That fight's crazy. And then after that, you have four straight losses by knockout. Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, Rich Franklin. Oh, well, then you had the loss to Tito Ortiz. Well, and again, well, that doesn't... I, I, no, yeah, we're so, not... Nah. So, I got a little head there. But listen, the, the, the killer's row of fighters that he's Yeah, I mean, you're talking against. about Rashad Evans, who ends up winning the light heavyweight title. You're talking about Shogun Hua, who also goes on to win the light heavyweight title. And Rich Franklin, who, shout out, another Ohio Yeah, fight, was at one point the best fighter in the world. Was the best middleweight, in, yeah. best fighter in the world. He was unbelievable. He was, you know what's funny is Rich Franklin, to me, his career reminds me of um, Daniel Cormier a little bit. He is the, he would be the guy that I feel like we would have in our top ten, if not for Anderson Silva. Yeah. Daniel Cormier could be the go, if not for John, John Jones. Jones. yeah. So that's how I feel about uh, Rich. That's a good comparison. But, um, yeah, uh, that's really all I can really say about Chuck. There's just, for the time, he was the guy. And he always put, a lot of it's the performances he was putting on. I mean, yeah, sure, his chin didn't hold up later on. But that dude had a crazy chin. He went in there and banged it out with these Yeah, it can only last so long. And, like, literally just was so impressive while doing it. Um, I, I just had to give respect to him due to, like, just, you know, it's just it's the ice, man. You know? Yeah, just, man. So that's the trunks number, alone. So that's, I mean, my, that's my number seven. I like, um, I, I respect it. So should I go ahead with my number six, too, then? Go then right ahead. Back to you. Sure. So uh, my number six, uh, some people might think this is a little low. Hmm. Um, and it's going to be the former flyweight champion, Demetrius oh, Johnson. Oh, wow. Demetrius Johnson. That's an interesting. That's my number six. And uh, I can sit here all day and talk about why Demetrius Johnson is one of the best ever. I mean, he he came in, he was the inaugural men's flyweight champion and held the belt for literally, (laughs) he literally held the belt for seven years. He set the record for title defense. So, yeah, beat Anderson Silva's record. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. And he looked impressive while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess why I put him lower than what maybe a lot of people would put is while there's no doubt that his athletic ability and his, his like, 
his ability as a mixed martial artist might be the very best we've ever seen, just seeing some of the stuff he was able to do. Unfortunately for him, his level of competition was not. His level of competition was not uh, up to the caliber. It's yeah. kind of the argument I made with Habib yeah. earlier, where he just hasn't, he's yet to really fight those like big fights, but Habib's even done it more so than yeah, I think I agree. Dimitri's has. So when you look at some of his wins, um, Ian McCall having that draw that was like, there was a lot of uh, controversy with that one because it was essentially when they introduced the flyweight belt, it was a four man tournament. And in the first round, it was Ian McCall versus Demetrius Johnson. And the rules were, it was three-round fights, for, because the other side was Joseph Benavidez versus someone. I can't think of the name right now. But essentially, three-round fight. If the fight was a draw, I believe if the fight was a draw, then there would need they would do an extra fourth round. Yeah. Well, the fight ends... The judges' scorecards come in, and they get miscounted. Oh no! So it's read off. As You're a, telling me something completely so new to me. So it's read off as a decision for Mighty Mouse when it was supposed to be a draw, and therefore there should have been a fourth round. Right. Mind you, that fourth round, Ian, or Ian McCall was surging in that third round, and possibly could have won that fight. A guy that people forget about because of his injury problems and the fact that he's fighting in flyweight division. But he, at one time, was, like, he was a star, like, in the making. And a badass mustache. Yes, yes, that too. So, he ends up, they end up rematching, basically, to settle who will go to the finals of that tournament. He ends up winning more decisively against Ian McCall. And from there, he beats Benavidez. And then, like, John Dodson, he's beat, I believe, twice. He beat Benavidez three times total. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have, but then you have guys like... Not to take anything away from these guys, but like John Moraga, Ali Bogatinov, Tim Chris Elliott, K- Chris, yeah, Chris Carriasso, Tim Elliott, who gave him a great show. Yeah, it was a great actually. fight. Uh, Wilson Hayes, Ray Borg, the guy we talked about in our, who just got released. And then that all leads to uh, him losing the belt to Henry Cejudo in a razor-thin close decision. A fight that I actually think we disagreed on. I actually scored it for Henry, and I believe you had it the... I had the DJ. Mm-hmm. And it's understandable. Again, not a robbery, though. No, I thought the fight was so close. Great uh, fight. So, really spoke to how... Because he had beat Cejudo before. Dominantly. Dominantly. First round, Finish. TKO. With knee, a body to the... Or knee, knee to, to the, the body. body. Yeah. <laughs> so, it showed the growth of Cejudo, but also showed that how damn good Mighty Mouse still was. Because look at what Cejudo went on to do. The king of cringe. Yeah. I mean, so, hello. Then, that's kind of where his UFC tenure ends. He ends on that loss. There should have been a trilogy fight, in my opinion. But instead, he gets traded to one FC for Ben Askren. The guy well, we who know will, how that played will out. not be in our top ten. He will not be in our top ten. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I can say about him. I just, I feel like what only holds him back is the level of competition. But he, I mean, he was so damn impressive. Yeah. And I can't take anything away from him for that reason. So, that's the reason he's number six, and I'm curious who you're number Well, six. I think for my number six, a lot of people are going to think this person shouldn't be on here. Oh. But I'm going to say it. Okay. Dominic Cruz. You had a big sigh there from I, across the way. I'm not, like, I'll, I'll hear you out. Okay. 
I so, definitely, just real quick, I, I definitely am surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a little shocked. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious what your argument um, is. Now, I will say this was technically, this list I have on here was technically made before he just lost to the King of Cringe himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still think that doesn't take away anything from him because, again, Henry Cejudo uh, could be on lists of the top ten, no doubt. Um, so he's the two-time 135-pound champion. He's only defended the belt twice in the UFC, which is kind of crazy to think. But he's still, I think, widely known or accepted as the best or top two or three uh, bantamweights of all time. you got to think he dominated in the WEC before being bought out or however that whole thing went down before coming to the UFC. Um, you got to look at the people that have beat Dominic. You know, Cody Garbrandt in the best performance of his life. Uh, you know, Henry just beat him recently. I mean, really, besides that, his losses... I mean, he, he has a trilogy with Uriah Faber. 3-0, and I think, uh, no, or 2-1. and one. He lost the first one. Lost the first one. So, I mean, you know, Uriah's a legend of the sport. Um, I'm blanking right now. But uh, he was just, I think, an incredible fighter. And I think the biggest thing... And why people would leave him off of lists, he's been relatively inactive, right? And again, that's stuff that's out of his control. He has been probably the most injury-prone champion of all time. Like, imagine had he not, you know, tore both ACLs and all these injuries, how many more times he could have fought and dominated. And I think his style is so unique and something you don't see much in the UFC Nowadays, you probably see it a little more because it's a new breed of well, fighters. Especially like his stance. And, like, yeah, man, like just so awkward. so awkward and hard to deal with. And I think that's why he was so successful for so long. I mean, he dominated in you know the UFC and the WEC, and uh, I know that's a surprising one at number six, but uh, I, I genuinely feel, and I know it's a lot of what ifs, but had he not been injured so many years. I just have to imagine he continues dominating in the UFC. Yeah, so I no doubt he is probably the best bantamweight ever, as of now. Yeah, for sure. And um, however, I guess my only thing that I'm going to disagree with is ultimately I do think those injuries play into where he ranks at because, for example, I talked about Cain Velasquez earlier, right? A guy who was looked super dominant but yet his injuries and then obviously he had the two fights he had where it was at altitude and his cardio just wasn't able to hold up point being I could I can't put Dominic Cruz in my top 10 because to me his career is not like it's just there's not enough consistency mm-hmm. there now coming I will say having those very serious ACL tears Having the uh, having uh, the I forget what it's called, but when he got the surgery and it, it rejected like mm-hmm. the fake AC or whatever, however that works. Uh, so having to get another surgery, yeah, and then tears his other AC. Awful like, man, and he still kept coming back. I mean, years off of his career. I mean, when he came back and beat TJ Dillashaw for the belt, that was like one of the like most feel good moments. Yeah. you know, nothing against TJ, but. For him to come back and just look as good as he did, nobody saw that coming. Yeah. 
and then um, I guess you know some other reasons I guess I don't you know put him on the list is think of when he was injured who was on top of that division it was Henan Burrell yeah. a guy who was undefeated for like 30 fights the guy that TJ came out of nowhere and dominated shot the world yeah, yeah. but a guy Henan Burrell if you go watch his performances against like Eddie Wineland Uriah Faber like that guy was a killer so we have a fun matchup here, you know, what could have been? Yeah. What so if Dominic Cruz could have defended the so belt? So I would have against... loved to have seen him fight yeah. a guy like that and seen who really was, like, better, you know. Yeah. And then um, the loss to Cody Garbrandt, who Cody had... Masterful performance. Masterful performance. That's one of the best all-around, like, five-round performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then the loss to Henry recently, which um, has been, you know... I guess there's some controversy to that. Even though, I mean, look, he's on my list and not yours, but that was a good decision, Mm -hmm. Uh, a good stoppage. So I guess those are the only reasons why I wasn't able to quite get him on my top 10. I mean, he would definitely, if it was like a top 20, then I'm probably putting him on there. But uh, I I, I somewhat respect your decision. I'll take that. I'll take it somewhat. I, I can't say I love it, though. Especially when you put Amanda Nunes Listen, at number eight, and you put Dominic Cruz at number six, both still fighting. They both can continue their legacies. Anyway, you're just bashing me in front of <laughs> our wonderful viewers, as all your our listeners, I guess. I want some L's in the chat. That's all you're calling for is L's. Yeah, someone's gonna give me a dub. So, do you want me to go into five? Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, because I might just say one more controversial one. Okay. Jose Aldo. Wow. He's my number five. Jose Aldo. And it's weird. People are probably thinking, now wait a minute. You had Max Holloway as 10, and he beat Jose twice. I get it. I get it. But you got to look at the body of work Jose Aldo did for, I'm pretty sure he went unbeaten for a decade. Um, Between two organizations. In the UFC alone, he is a two-time champion because he won it back at UFC 200 against Frankie. Well, was that interim? Technically, I I, no. I think that fight was supposed to be a number one contender for Connor, but then Connor right uh, ended up getting stripped, so he it became it. undisputed. So okay, Holloway had the fight with Pettis for the interim belt. Yeah. So then, when Holloway was set to fight the undisputed champion, Connor wasn't fighting. So basically, the belt went back to Jose. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So Jose kind of got it back, not because he won it back, but because. Right. Um, and then two time champ. Yeah, a two time champ at featherweight. Um, seven straight title defenses in the UFC alone. So I, I mentioned this earlier. He's arguably the greatest featherweight of all time. Now, I personally don't think he is anymore because of Max. Again, both these guys are still fighting. Mm-hmm. So they can easily move up or down my list. But I have Jose on here because he was kind of a pioneer for that type of weight class. Because you got to think these smaller weight classes were newer took longer to become established and he dominated for so long against top tier competition in two organizations and now we know we see him competing at a lower weight class Uh, he's had two fights there arguably beat Marlon Marais but again you know not officially so Marlon beat him uh, a killer in that division by the way and then he just recently lost to Peter Jan that was a great fight until the latter rounds when Jan really started to pull away. Yeah, it seems like around round end of round three to round four is when Jan really took 
took over. But leading up to them, you know, Aldo looked like he belonged. Yeah, and another thing. So Jose and Max on my list kind of relate because, you, you know, Jose's been around for years, over a decade, and he's still... Is he 31, 32? You're talking about Jose. Yeah, like yeah, he like is still so young. And as I mentioned earlier, these fighters don't even hit their prime until they're 30 most of the time. Now, Jose may have already been in the prime. I'm not saying he still has prime to happen. But the fact that he's still so young with potential in a new weight class, I think still you know leaves some leeway for some good victories. And you just can't look past the level of competition that he's fought and the people that he's lost to. Yeah, I truly don't think he's done. Especially, he made the move to bantamweight, and on paper, you see he's 0-2 at bantamweight. So you go, oh, well, that didn't work. Yeah. But you have to think, he lost that split decision to Marlon Moraes. Number one contender. A fight that I thought he won. Yeah, I did too. And Dana thought he won so much. He gave him a title shot, people. An interim title shot. Even though, technically... Or no, undisputed title shot. Yeah, technically, he lost that fight. But... Everybody else but the two judges that scored it for Marais right. thought he won. Yeah. And um, it was a close fight, though. And But it's still, Marlon Rice was the guy who was the number one contender at that time. And a beast. And then Peter Jan, I mean... That a good beast, fight to begin, yeah, but uh, he mean, did pull away. But I do think Aldo's not done in that division. Um, I do think he has time to get... Uh, just to be clear, he's not on my top ten, but I do think he has time to make his way on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to you, see. You didn't mention uh, the Conor McGregor loss, uh, well, the 13 second I mean, knockout. Well, you know, it's a terrible loss to have. And it's, again, just. It's not a. Okay, getting knocked out in 13 seconds is a bad loss. But when you look at the actual person you lose to, it's Conor McGregor. It was Conor you know? at his absolute. Absolute best. peak. And he's lost to Max twice. Again, people, he's on both of our lists. Right. So these losses he has, I think he has seven total after the Jan fight. Mm-hmm. Look at the people that he's fighting. And, you know, it's just... Even against Max in both fights, he had his moments. Max is just so damn tough. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely see the argument why you don't think he should be on here or that high. I will say, though, I'm looking at his title defenses right now he had in the UFC. Mark Hominick, a guy who was big at the time... I mean, um, seven title defenses. Kenny man. Florian. Ken Flo. Chad Mendez, twice. Chad Money. Frankie Edgar. Legend. Korean Zombie. <laughs> Literal Zombie. Ricardo Lamas. Hello. And then he ends up, after the Connor loss, beating Frankie again. Yeah. Handedly. So, I, I for sure... And then, obviously, after the back-to-back Max losses... Uh, the super impressive performance against Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, that all the body, body work was. Poo. And Jeremy, I really Jeremy Stevens was you know looking like he was maybe a, if he would have won that fight, he, he was peaking. Yeah. yeah, and I I actually thought Jeremy was going to win that fight, mm-hmm. um, and then he ends up beating Hanato Morcano. Uh, that's a that's a great win. That I another one that I don't think it's credit. Morcano was a beast at the time. Well, he lo- he was. A, I mean, he still is. He was ranked third, I think, yeah. when that fight happened. I mean, a guy who really is still hanging around, but he doesn't have that name value that some of those guys I mentioned before have. So I guess it's just like more so, look at the people that he's fought, the dominance that he had. It's hard to dominate for 10 straight years. Like, on our list combined, there's only, 
a handful that can dominate for a yeah, decade. It, it's it's crazy because now that I'm looking at it, like I'm almost like, man, maybe I should have put him on here. But I don't think – I think in my head, once I put Max at nine, I wasn't going to put him above, above. Max. That makes sense. Because I looked at it like Max is the best. I guess my thought process there is that Max is still a couple years younger. And I think the ceiling for Max at each point of their careers right now, it's higher for Max. Mm -hmm. Max can still do so much more. I think he can easily become the featherweight champion again. Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think with a physique change, he can challenge at the 155 level for the title. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, I guess, how their current – careers are at this point um, ceiling wise but Jose uh, as a whole has had just more dominance so far but Max can easily overtake him Max by no means is done and I think he easily cracks into the top five if he continues to or if he regains you know if he creates that new game plan and dominates like he once did cool so uh, my number five. Oh, you're looking at me weird uh ooh my number five, and I, I've, I have, uh, I think when me and you have talked about this in the past, even though we've never shared our list, we've talked about like who we think is like the best of all time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I've always mentioned uh, this guy, um, and that is Randy Couture. I had a feeling that's who it was going to be. Uh, so. This is a good one, people. Listen, hear him out here. So, Randy Couture, right? Uh, if you just look at his record, he's 19-11 and 11 in his career. Not, that's just, I'm not saying, that's not just, actually, it's pretty much strictly, I mean, his very first professional fight was the UFC, 13. Uh, then he goes to Bally Tudo Japan, then he goes to the Rings, um, also great organizations for a couple of fights, but almost his entire career is in the UFC. Um... And this is definitely a pick that's based on kind of the accolades. Mm-hmm. Two-time light heavyweight champion and two-time heavyweight champion. And to go off that, what, what a lot of these guys on this list, the trend is they hit that point where they lose something, like mm-hmm. whether it's they get too old or injuries catch up or the competition catches up, and you see that, that skid. There's like three or four fight skid or so. Four out of five fight skid. And... You know, it like it kind of almost like taints their record a little bit and like makes them look less appealing on a list like this. You know, Anderson Silva's going through something like yep. that right now. But with Randy Couture, at the age he won that second heavyweight belt, people forget Tim Sylvia, even though he was back then the heavyweight division was not uh, was probably at its weakest at its lowest point. Uh, he, you know, Sylvia is this six eight. You know, right at the edge of the heavyweight limit, 265 pounds, like just a monster of a man. Mm-hmm. And Randy Couture comes in at the age of, I want to say he was, since he's 57 now, and when he won that fight, it was 2007. So he was 44 years it's crazy. old. It's uh, crazy. His whole career, he was always older than everybody. Yeah. So at 44 years old, he comes in and dominates. Dominates. A ginormous 6'8", like, yeah. freaking humongous person. And then defends it against Gab- Gabriel Gonzaga. At the guy, time, this man. Another killed. just animal, just beast of a man who yeah. had knocked out Krokop with a leg kick. Krokop, Krokop. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. So then, obviously, he has the loss to Brock Lesnar and stuff. And then, um, 
after losing the bell, he loses to uh, Big Nog. Um, Great. In a, I believe, yeah, it was fight of the year. That's another pioneer type fight of the year for two thousand nine for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Then after that, like people, you know, he he had those back to back losses, but then he comes back and beats Brandon Vera, the guy who's over he was very good at the time. One FC heavyweight champion now. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. Then he beats Mark Coleman, which is kind of funny that Coleman was still fighting. (laughs) And then he beats James Tony, the boxer. Uh, which is, you know, hey, you got it. It's hey, kind of like a CM fighting who's put in front yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. So, not saying those are the Brandon Vera is an impressive win, especially yeah. at that time. But Mark Coleman, James Tony, yeah, whatever. And then he gets the uh, KO'd by Leoto Machida in his final fight. Crane <sighs> kick, just yeah, crane kick right, right yeah, to the yeah, face. Crazy. But so, you know, that's at the peak. So like Leoto was that guy. So this is, that, so this is when he's 45, 46 years yeah, old. Yeah, man. It's crazy. But if you go back even earlier in his career. So obviously, I mentioned he started at UFC 13. Well, UFC 15, guess what? He beats Vitor Belfort. Then he goes on to defeat Maurice Smith. He becomes the third ever UFC heavyweight champion. And that is where he leaves the UFC. So the belt basically gets taken off. Vacated. He doesn't get beat for it. He just vacates it, basically, to go fight over in Japan. And then he comes back. Beats Kevin Randleman to win the heavyweight championship back, and then he ends up uh, go- leaving again. <laughs> he was all over. So the- actually, he was a three-time heavyweight champion. It's crazy. And then he comes back again, beats Pedro Hizo, another guy that was just. And mind you, he comes back, beats Pedro Hizo for the heavyweight championship. Like this is, like, and then beats him again. And then that's where he comes to some losses. Like, he lost to Josh Barnett for the belt. Uh, loses to Rico Rodriguez, another guy that was big at the time. Um, and then he beats Chuck and Tito back-to-back. Probably That was probably the most impressive run he had, just those two fights. And it's at the prime of all of their careers. Everybody wanted to see Chuck versus Tito. Chuck and Tito were looked at as the two best that the UFC had to offer. Randy said. Randy came in. I'll, I'll take care of him. Light heavyweight debut basically runs through Chuck Liddell and then that gave him the interim light heavyweight championship goes the next basically just a couple months later fights Tito for and undisputed makes him look stupid and just, just dominates him. he slapped him on the ass Tito a powerful wrestler got out wrestled by Randy Couture and this is a guy in his late 30s at the time for early 40s yeah whatever. yeah and, and they were you know chucking Tito are both in the prime of their career. And I I just take all of that into account when I'm making that list. You know, obviously, uh, comp, you know, the competition at that time, like, the, those, those were guys, like, those names I listed off, they may not be names that you think of much today, like Pedro Izzo, Rico Rodriguez. But it's all about the time. Again, yeah, and the time at the time, period. these they, people were legit. Yeah. And the fact that he basically came into the UFC with just the Roman Greco wrestling background and was able to make a career that went into his mid-40s. He was able to learn the sport, really adapt along with, really as the sport was adapting to become mixed martial artists instead of guys that specialized in one specific style of fighting, whether it was boxing, kickboxing, Mm -hmm. wrestling, uh, jiu-jitsu. He adapted along with the sport 
So I, I have to put him this high on that list for that reason, along with the accolades and the fact that he was able to keep doing it until the very end. Yeah. So that's why he's my number I like it. It's different, mm-hmm. but it makes sense, you know? So, and I think him bouncing back and forth uh, doesn't get the credit mm-hmm. it deserves yeah. like that it would now. People always talk about, oh, two division, blah, 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 now. But back then, it was just like, oh, whatever. When he was fighting a heavyweight, he was fighting around 220 pounds. Yeah, I mean, he was so much smaller than everybody else. I mean, else. that's a 40-pound weight difference a lot of times. It's wild. So, I, I, I you know, I, I love Randy Couture. I'm not, like, biased for him. It's not like he's one of my, like, all-time faves. But I just have so much respect for a guy that was able to do it that late. And, you know, when most people are retiring or can't even compete yeah. at the level that they used to you know he was able to do it and do it at the very best so uh yeah i guess i'll move into my number four, four. number four we're almost there so we're getting I, close so i wrote this and then i'm like sitting here and like as i was talking i was like man i might switch these two but i did make a switch on mine mm, last second so I that's think, okay i won't judge you i think my number four i think i know who it is I think my number four is going to be Amanda Nunes. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, that was how I had it wrote. Uh, I didn't switch it. I almost moved her up. Um, we, yeah. I almost moved her up, but I, I don't think I can. I think we all know who the top three are. And, you know, you guys heard everything that Dom had already said about Amanda Nunes. I right. Any woman fighter who was looked at as... She's one of the best. Ever, no matter what gender, what weight. She has taken them all out. Yeah. Including, now, she didn't, uh, she didn't finish her or run through her, and they weren't particularly exciting fights. But she beat Thank Valen- you, I did not touch on that. She beat Valentina, the current dominant flyweight champion, twice. Yeah. Now, the second fight, I believe, uh, is up for debate. Yeah. I don't really remember how I scored that one. Thank you for bringing up those two wins. Yeah, because, I mean, that's just adds to her list. As you mentioned, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Valentina Choice. All finishes outside of Valentina. Yeah. All finishes. And then Jermaine Durandamy, the inaugural uh, mm. uh, sort of. featherweight, women's featherweight Technically, champion. yes. Yeah. And, and I know there's some... I hate that fight. I hate everything about that. But it is what it is. I mean, look how impressive she was against Raquel Pennington. That's a fight that That's Raquel a good was fight. literally on the stool before the fifth round yeah, saying I mean, that she quit. She Pennington's a very tough fighter, so to just dismantle her like that and make her want to quit says a lot. And then the Chris Cyborg performance, which is probably the best of her career, I would say. Just oh, man. That and the Rousey. I mean, Rousey, I think... Now we look back and we go, yeah, that that was probably how it was going to go. But, you know, even after the Holly Holm loss, I mean, we were still... I remember those previews for that fight. No respect. so focused on Rousey. No respect for Amanda. Understandably because of how big of a star she was, but Amanda was basically being, like, pushed off to the side. I mean, even Rogan on his podcast talked about how in the lead up to that fight, he was going, what are these people doing? Mm-hmm. And some media guy was at the fight, and I guess he was like talking to someone, and he goes, look, I don't care who she is, she's chopped liver. And it was like, because he was so proud, that guy was like so proud of the video package they mm-hmm. made. He goes, I don't care who she's fighting, they're basically, they're a goner. And it was like, wow. Like how you looked over her so yeah. morally. And um, 
just I mean she's still doing it like she for all by the end of her career if she keeps going the way she's going she could be number one on my list it's she, it really is a possibility unfortunately for her there's just nobody else there's no one there and Dana what's funny is she she started talking about potentially retiring mm-hmm. or at least is hinted at it and Dana was like you don't I, want that he's like I don't want that to happen they're like we finally we are building this these divisions around her yeah um, so they just got to try to find some new, like, new blood, some new people that are, like, going to get in Especially there. at 145. Yeah, 145 was a division made for Chris Cyborg, essentially, because mm. she couldn't cut the Bantamweight. Yeah. And then, look out, <laughs> Amanda ran through her, like, made it easy. A fight that I did not think she was going to win going into it. No. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of what you said earlier, so I won't, like, harp on it too long, but I'm just... I just love watching Amanda Nunes fight, and I, the fact that she's remained so dominant. I mean, her last loss was to Kat Zingano back, I believe that was, yeah, it was about six years ago. 2014, yeah. You know, so, um, a, fight, a fight that went back and forth the whole time. Zingano, a, a girl that Tough. was at the top of the heap yeah. you know, there for a while. Title challenger? Yeah, so, nothing to scoff at there. I mean, she has four losses on her record, but to see the growth from basically that first Shevchenko fight on. Yeah, it's crazy. She, she went from just, she just looks like a completely different fighter. She's bigger. She's better every stronger. fight. She just, she looks more fluid on the feet. She's a lot stronger on the ground. Like, all of that is just, it's it's been awesome to see her growth because it's really happened, like, before our eyes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if you want to get into your number four. My number four is Demetrius. Demetrius. The Mighty Mouse mm-hmm. himself. Uh, again, you've already touched on it, so I won't have too much to say. Um, again, he broke Anderson Silva's title defense record. 11 straight title defenses. You can say all you want about the flyweights and how they're not fun to watch, they're not exciting, they're just not as good because they're so small. It doesn't matter. They say to be the champion, you have to defend your belt. Demetrius defended his belt 11 times and took on basically every number one contender there was. And I don't think that's something we see in present-day UFC as much. People kind of just fight, oh, here's the number four guy, but he's popular, so we're going to make that. Demetrius just fought whoever was put in front of him. It didn't matter who it was. Finishes, dominant decisions, close decisions. Like, it didn't matter. He found a way to win. Um... And now he's, you know, with one championship, and I'm pretty sure he's still dominating over there. I think he's their champion. Um, Again, not bringing too much into other organizations, but it's hard to deny Demetrius on any top ten list for the UFC. Um, And I think for those reasons as well as what Noah mentioned just kind of solidifies his spot. So, I mean, that's really all I have for number four. Okay. There's nothing else to say. What about your uh, number three? Okay, so I'm pretty sure you and me are both going to have the same one through threes, but just not the same spots. Yeah. And I'm probably about to shock a lot of people here in a second when I say my number three. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. It's John Bones Jones, for me, is number three. Um, uh, what's funny is that is also my number okay, three. Okay, okay. So if people disagree with that, then we're really going to get there. Yeah, right? Um, at the end of the day, you could easily put John Jones at number one. The guy has one loss in his entire career, and it's not even a loss. It's because he got disqualified. Yeah. Um, he's unbelievable. 
he was that new breed of fighter that came into the UFC and was the youngest UFC champion ever. 22, 23 years old, which is just insane. Beats Shogun Hua. Beats Shogun, a legend of the sport. Dominated. Dominated. He, the thing about John, man, the people he's, he has beaten every former champion. He's beaten all of these new up-and-comers. Like, it is crazy the amount and the variety of people that he has beaten. Let me, the types uh, of fighters. Like, I'll break ahead. it down for you, the list here. I mean, it's crazy. Beats Shogun for the belt. Here's his defenses. Rampage Jackson. Leota Machida. Rashad Evans. Those are three like, legends. Former champions. Former right? champions. Legends of MMA. Vitor Belfort. Legend. Chael Sonnen. <laughs> Which, a great fighter. Yeah, no, a guy that was great, but the fact that he, I only laughed because uh, Chael was a middleweight. Right. And they, he had to fill in, basically. Yeah, exactly, to save a yeah. pay-per-view. And then you had Gustafson. Very close fight. Gustafson is an incredible fighter at 205. Let's ignore the fight he just had at heavyweight. <laughs> that doesn't count. And then he uh, beats Glover Teixeira, a guy who's still surging today. And then from here, this is where you see the new breed of fighters come in, um, I believe. David Cormier is the next one. And then that's where a lot of his troubles come in. And yes. I, I have that on here. I know we didn't want to talk much about PEDs and outside of the octagon stuff. But when, you're, when PEDs have a direct role on how you perform in the octagon... That's why I have him at three. Just because I'm not calling him a cheater, you know, we'll never know. He's but it's hard to have a guy at number one with that in mind. Yeah. Especially because it's happened multiple times. Yeah, that's the thing. But um, comes back, uh, beats OSP. Up and comer at the time. And then you have he right before UFC two hundred where he's set to uh, fight Daniel Cormier. He's going to be big. Uh, literally, I believe it's like a day before, two yeah, days before. Yeah, crazy. Uh, he tests positive again. Um, so that fight gets scrapped. And then Cormier ends up fighting Anderson Silva, a guy we will get to later. <laughs> uh, but he comes back and does rematch DC. Wins the belt. It's a big triumph. It was moment. incredible. The head kick. Yeah. The finishing you know, sequence was incredible. Unbelievable. And then the next day, he tests positive again. And then it gets rolled into a contest. So, he comes back again and beats Gus for the second time. Wins the in ball. a way more dominant fashion. And this is where we're going to kind of get into why I put him at number three. It's not even the PEDs. So, he yeah, dominates he, Anthony Smith. Okay, so we'll get that out of the way. He dominates Anthony I Smith. I know where you're going here with the, with the next um, two fights. His last two fights, I thought he lost both. He's lost. John Jones is on a two-fight losing streak, in my opinion. He, to me, that fight with Tiago Santos. Imagine have Tiago not tore his freaking knee to shreds. Literally, he had to learn how to walk again. Yeah. And I thought he won And I still that thought fight. he won the fight. And then Dominic Reyes, which I thought was even more clearly yeah. a win for Reyes yeah. than Santos, even. And I guess that's where the old saying, you know, to... You know, to beat the champ, you gotta beat the yeah. champ. I mean, that's where it comes into and play. Don't get me wrong, I still like he. They are wins for him. They're yeah. wins for Jones, and they're like he's not looking bad in these fights. Dominic Reyes was undefeated. Yeah, like he's not looking bad in these fights by any means. Yeah, and I wouldn't say the robberies, 
but I'm just saying that I do have to hold that. We personally each feel. And that I'll he's make on this a, point later. But I, I mean, I did just say that Anderson Silva will be on in my top two, and I yeah. think that's a given. But if you looked at someone like Anderson Silva, not during his mm. dominant run, name one fight where it was like, nope. oh, There's that not. decision should have went the other way. There's not, and that's why uh, the other guy in our top two is going to be where he is mm-hmm. on my list anyway. But, so, yeah, I guess that's... I mean, anything I mean we both had number three the same, right? I guess yeah, that's all there so, is to I mean, say. Anything else about John Jones? He's I mean, incredible, man. I'm ready for I, him to I fight was, again. Let me put it like this. I want him to fight He's again. number three on my GOAT list, but ultimately, I think he is the best mixed martial artist as far as, like... I'm talking about someone that can literally do it all. Yeah. He's incredible. I mean, I don't know if I could ever put him at number one. Not because I have anything against him, like, per... I still. Like, I mean, we we, in I recent still, times, we root for him. Yeah, you know? I like John Jones like, yeah. as a fighter. He's very exciting to watch. Uh, say what you will about stuff outside of the octagon, but ultimately, I just don't know if he'll ever be able to get to number one for me because you do have the PEDs issue, the fact that it's reoccurring, and then these last two fights being now, if he rematches both those guys and mm-hmm. does beat them decisively. decisively then maybe we can move on from it. But we'll see if that happens. John's kind of uh, holding out right, right now. now. Yeah, he's, he's making some money moves right now, some negotiating. But, uh, yeah, so who's your number two? We might have the same top three. I don't know about that. Your number two is GSP. My number two is GSP. My number two is Anderson. Okay, Silva. fair enough. Um, George Rush, St. Pierre. There's nothing else that needs said. No, I'm just kidding. Um, nine straight title defenses in the UFC. He was technically the champion twice. Uh, he won the belt, lost in the biggest upset, arguably in UFC history, outside of uh, Holm and Rousey. Came back and dominated to get his belt back, and then went on. That's when the big you know, streak came along. Uh, don't forget, after he retired the first time, he comes back up a weight class, at a weight class he really has no business being in. Uh, I didn't even really want to see that fight, but you can't deny that it happened. He beat a super tough, as tough as they come, Michael Bisbing, in a dominant way. Um, I hated how he didn't defend the belt, even though it was technically in his contract. I don't know. I'm doing quotes right now. You guys yeah. can't see me. but <laughs> That's what uh, the rumor was. But uh, GSP was another guy that took on every top contender, every single fight. You know, he's 26-2. and two, yep. And both losses he has, he has gotten redemption on. Matt Sarah, and then his other loss is uh, Matt, he, Hughes. Matt Hughes. And he came back and he beat both. So I think that says a lot. Um, if you lose to a guy and then never get the chance to run it back, then sometimes it's out of your control. But the fact that he ran it back and both times were finishes, if I'm not mistaken, I know Sarah was for sure, mm-hmm. that says a lot to me about adversity and just how improved he was every single fight. Um, yeah, man, GSP. And, again, we mentioned this in our first episode. If he comes back next April against Habib and then beats Habib, these are a lot of what-ifs and big ifs. But, my God, man. Like, he could easily take my number one if that were to happen. Yeah. But to me, he's my number two. George C. So, Pierre. my number two is the spider. The sp- oh, man. 
I know that hurts you. That's not, not, no, no, no. I, for, for those of you uh, who don't know. That is who... I didn't touch on that in the first episode. Like, that is what made the UFC for me. Like, yeah. that was the guy where I was like, holy moly, this is awesome. Yeah. This man is unbelievable. Your favorite fighter of all time. My favorite so. fighter of all time. Um, Anderson so Silva. It's un- and I'm not saying that, like, putting Anderson Silva at number one is not, like, him showing bias. Like, that's legit. Yeah. Like, that's a legit. I mean, he is number one, number two, or number three, really. Yeah. And that's how I you can't it. You can't take him out of the top three. There's I no way. I don't think so. The reason I put him at number two, um, because I'm going to let you probably talk about, like, the all the positives, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, but... I think I see where you're going to go with the negatives. Yeah, I think I mean, we discussed it. I mean, I guess when I talk about my, if you look at the way I built my list out, um, it's you, there is a bit of a, it's like looking at the full resume, right? Um, and instead of just looking at when they were on top. Yep. It was when they were on top, Anderson Silva would be number one. Yep. Because... Well, him or John Jones, because oh, yeah. I've never seen, literally, like I said, Anderson Silva. Any fight that's went to a decision, if you knew he won that yes. fight, every and most of the time fight. he was coming in and just running through. Oh, it was crazy, fight. man! So that run was incredible. Had the record for a long time for consecutive title defenses, um, but ultimately, why I put him at number two is because since uh, that, yeah, here it comes. Yeah, I this mean, is tough so, to listen to. So he beat Stephen Bonner for that eleventh. Uh, title defense and then basically that next fight is when he loses the belt to Chris Weidman and from there so starting at that fight since then name the year when that was so they get a good idea 2013 this is seven years ago and he last fought in May of 2019 yep so So over a six six year period period, yeah he is one and six and then there's a new contest as well. That hurts. A fight that he won against Nick Diaz, but got overturned because he tested. Positive. So he's one six and one. Yeah. So ultimately, that is going to have a factor in mind. Yeah. Especially because um, when him and GSP for me, they're so close. Like they're so they're neck and neck. Yeah. But in the, the fact, super fight that never happened, that yeah. people always wanted at the time, and that could have been GSP the, versus that could have been the, the side, That would have been the if that fight vote. would have happened, man. Whew, I can't even imagine. So his losses, not saying they've been, you know, bad. In many, let I'd me say look at it. Let me look at half it. of them could have been winners. Like, let's break him down here. He loses to Weidman twice. That's his first fault. time. He got cocky. Had, got cocky, but Weidman was winning up until he knocked him out. Second but that wasn't uncommon in Anderson fights. Oh, sure. Because he felt people out a lot. Right. I'm not trying to make excuses. Yeah. It sounds second, like I am. Second Weidman fight, again. So, so that those two fights, it's like really weird. It's just like... Yeah, well, you, you almost know. feel like... There was he snapped just, his leg. Yeah, like he just, <laughs> you know. Again, Weidman was winning the fight up until then, but it did happen a minute into the second round. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, then you have the Nick Diaz fight, which... Overturned. So it was a win. Overturned. Then his comeback fight against Michael Bisping. A fight that... A fight he literally knocked Bisping out. Yes. He knocked him out. At the bear, at the buzzer for the end of the second... Third? I don't remember what round. round it was. But it was like right at the buzzer. Knocked him out. So... The fight continues the on. The fight continues on. <laughs> yeah. Bisping wins by decision. Um, but a fight that I think is up for controversy. Yeah. Um, then you have the fight with Daniel Cormier where he came in on literally a day notice and fought. Uh, a fight that didn't need to happen, but he did it because he wanted to save the brand and, and save the pay-per-view. Pay so. um, nothing to be ashamed of there. 
He yeah. was fighting at 205 and yeah. weighed in at 190-something pounds. Yeah. So it's really that loss isn't like much of a loss, but then you have Derek Brunson, the fight he won. That one I argue was a loss. Though. I, I feel so, like he kind of lost that fight. Yeah. But uh, looked then he looked very impressive against Israel Adesanya, yep. the champion, current middleweight champion, a fight that Adesanya wanted, and they both looked great in that fight. Well, I mentioned this the other night. That truly, to me, just because of how Rocky Anderson's title losses were, you know, he lost to Weidman, but he kind of did that himself. You know, if he didn't get cocky, he would have never got caught like that. And then he snapped his leg in the rematch. You can't win your belt back that way. Yeah. So that, to me, now that Izzy is the champion of that division, that, to me, was truly the passing of the torch from the GOAT to what could very well be a future GOAT, you know? So that, to me, was the true passing of the torch for that division and just kind of the old breed to the new breed in general. And then what people kind of forget his last fight was against Jared Cannonier. Another was, weird one. Who's a title challenger right now. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, first round, they're just kind of go, you know, they're just kind of feeling each other out. Cannonier throws a leg kick. Silva checks it, but it ends up, like, just messing up his knee yeah, or something. Yeah, that was it. That was it. So, uh, it's weird. Like, it's yeah, weird. You, can't, you can't erase it, right? He's one in six. Yeah. But they're weird fights. Yeah. So I don't think it's as bad as it looks on paper. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still competitive, and there's a lot of rumors about him and Anthony Pettis, which is a fight I would really like to see. Yeah. Um, but I guess to compare to my number one pick of George St. Pierre, uh, St. Pierre basically, he has two losses, uh, both earlier on in his career. His first loss to Matt Hughes in 2004, and then to Matt Serra. As his first title defense, actually the biggest, uh, one of the biggest upsets ever. Oh yeah, um, in two thousand seven. But yes, as you mentioned, he comes back and benches both of them. Um, That's really big to me. And the big factor why I put him at number one, but and really you pointing that out, I really didn't even think about that. Like that would even be more of a reason. But is the fact that I mean, really he has the one controversial. The only that's what I was going to say. The only blunder. Of his entire 28-fight career. Is the Johnny Hendricks fight. Johnny Hendricks. And I completely understand And that's that. where he kind of relates to the John Jones factor. Yeah. So, I get that. I just think that the fact that he... And then he even came back. Like, he goes out on top, right? Yes, I know there's a lot of controversy with that decision, but he leaves the champion. He did leave on top. He comes back, wins another belt, and has a lot of apparent issues after that with like his health mm-hmm. so he dropped he, he doesn't defend it but um ultimately him being able to sustain that level of success from start to finish in his career is why I put him above Anderson Silva because I do have to take in in my way of ranking I'm taking into account the entire picture like yeah their entire career I completely understand and that's why I put him at number one so and um, then of course my number one, we just flip-flopped. It's Anderson. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about it. Just quick notes, 10 straight title defenses, as we mentioned. The most ever outside of Demetrius, who had 11. And in total, Anderson Silva had a 16-fight win streak in the UFC. And I think a lot of people don't think about how dominant he was and how he went. He fought at 205 multiple times. And, and had finishes against these guys. 
he was the first guy to like outside of Randy really if you think about it that was so prominent in the UFC and fluctuating back and forth between two weight classes and uh, I just think it's incredible again his record is 34 and 10 and we already talked about you know the negatives and how it's went downhill the last few years but uh, I, I think it's easy the one through three spots could change so easily depending on who's making the list yeah. But at the end of the day, how many people are going to have any different of a one through three? I can't imagine. I I, I can't, can't think of the only person I could see someone saying Amanda Nunes or Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, I I, I could see if someone putting those two in the top three. Mm-hmm. But I just Amanda Nunes. I was very close to putting Jones at four and her at three. Like, yeah. I was very close. So, like, for all, by the end of her career, by the end of, I mean, if Mighty Mouse ever comes back, which I don't know if that'll happen, uh, it, it could very well change. But as it stands today, I don't see how you put anybody, anybody else, else in the top yeah. three. And then the top three just fluctuates depending yeah. on, there's always going to be a little bias on who makes the list. And right. then it's just, I mean, you had it's me all opinion. talking about Stipe. I don't think a lot of people would put him in their top ten. Yeah. I mean, I, I technically have it, but... If he wins Saturday, might on Saturday in my top ten. Uh, but yeah, uh, ultimately, I, I I'm That's, surprised we we actually we had more similar similarities than I think we both thought we would. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was a little surprised with like Cruz and Aldo being that high. But you our four and it. fives, you explained like, it well. Were but you know, I had Chuck and then um, Randy Couture. Yeah, so we each had two people that aren't in our list at all. Yeah, yeah. Me was Dominic and Jose or Jose, Jose, Jose. And yours was Randy and Chuck. Everybody else, I think, was the same people, just different Cormier, spots, right? Holloway, um, Habib, Habib, John, Anderson, George. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, man. I mean, just yeah. a few spots changed around, but I was a yeah. little surprised that because there's a lot of fighters that, if you really look at the history, that it's tough. You got guys like BJ Penn. Wonder the reason he's not on mine is you know. <laughs> He hasn't won a fight in a decade. Yeah. And, you know, it's you just can't. It's it's hard to make these lists. Conor McGregor could be on a list. He like could this. be. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Edgar. I mean, the list goes on. Kane Velasquez. You could talk yeah, a year there. from now. We could make a whole other podcast and have a whole different list. I'm sure we will. We really will. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. So, but as of today, that is, that is the top ten UFC. Goats, hence the thumbnail of this podcast. <laughs> so I guess just to kind of wrap up here, um, just be on the lookout for more episodes uh, this Friday. It's a again, big one. So excited. It's a big one, ladies and gentlemen. UFC 252. The trilogy. Yes. We are going to be breaking down the entire main card and anything else that stands out to us. Um, Any news that happens and, uh, the rest of the week. Yeah. We might break, maybe talk about the Contender Series a little bit. Yeah, we'll see what, we'll happens, see what happens Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so, very excited for that card, obviously. And then I want to go ahead and mention uh, next Monday, we will be having our UFC 252 recap. Episode. Yes. So, to give them an idea of a schedule, I know you mentioned the Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. Basically, for our previews and recaps, we will have a preview video going up um, basically every Friday for fight nights or pay-per-views that occur on Saturdays. And then we will have a recap of that event that goes up the following Monday. 
yes. is kind of the plan. Yeah. So. so, And then the special episodes like this one, we plan to do Wednesdays or whatever days work out best for us. Yeah. But it'd be it'd be great to stick around a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type yeah. show. So we're trying to do Wednesdays. Um, they're not going to happen probably every Yeah, every week. other, every other. Yeah, we'll like just it. see how it goes. This week was a big one because it's our first week doing this. Obviously, the big pay-per-view on Saturday. It's, it's, a, it's a great week. It's a great week to get started. Yeah. So, uh, Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on uh, the internet. Well, you can find me personally on uh, Instagram, Twitter, dsalee14. But more importantly, you can follow our very own Below Average Joe podcast Instagram and future Twitter, but not yet. Our Instagram is Below Average Joe's underscore podcast. We will attempt our best to post some behind-the-scenes pictures of us recording Maybe some fun videos, and of course, we'd love to get some clips on there of what you guys can uh, expect for upcoming videos. So that's kind of the plan there. Keep us on top of it. Make sure we post stuff. Yep. That, that's your guys' job. Yep. <laughs> Very well said, John. <laughs> Y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter as well, at ntbaker underscore, and follow us on our podcast Instagram, and be on the lookout for if you follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. We're going to be posting a lot as these episodes come out. Uh, just trying to get the word out, trying to get more people to watch and keep everybody, uh, you know, up to date on what we're doing. And um, also, sorry, I cut no, you off. Go ahead. Don't forget. Now these podcasts right now are exclusively on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you know, ring the bell, get your notifications when a video goes live. Subscribe so you're ready no matter what time of day. If you want to listen to us when you go to bed at night, our voices are soothing, I'd imagine. <laughs> go to bed listening to us. Wake up listen to us. Go to the gym and listen to us. I don't care. But we're bringing our knowledge. And uh, that's what i got to say. Subscribe <laughs> to the channel, man. Yeah, just like and subscribe if you enjoyed this video. And with that, we're going to be out of here. and We will see you all on Friday. Be ready, everyone. It's going to be a doozy.